It's time to decide. You must choose your subscription box. Do you want fluffy, fuzzy things? Do you want a watch that you'll barely even wear? How about more collectibles to fill the shelves in your room? No! You don't want that. You want horror movies, and you want them on DVD. No, you want them on Blu-ray. Well, buddy, it must be an omen, because here I am, and here's HorrorPack.com. Join HorrorPack.com for $19.99 a month and get three killer DVD movies plus one exclusive. Or join up for $24.99 a month and get three Blu-ray blood soakers and an exclusive each month. There, now you've made up your mind. Or I have. HorrorPack.com for the best scare anywhere. Welcome to Achieving Reality Film School. This is where we interview filmmakers, writers, actors, and more. Hello and welcome to another TV Reality Film School. This week we talk with Tally Melnick, screenwriter of The Silo and Careful. Now sit back and enjoy Tally Melnick and her interview at the Women in Horror Film Festival. Welcome to Achieving Reality, the podcast. Uh, I guess this would be edition four? I don't know. Don't worry about uh, it. Chief Rally, the podcast at the Women in Horror Film Festival on Saturday, the February 29th. It's leap year, everybody. And we are with Talia Melnick. Tally. Tally Melnick. Tally Melnick, sorry. That's Tally okay. Melnick. No worries. Uh, she is a writer, producer. So you've got two scripts in here. That's correct. What are the scripts that you have here? So I have both a short, uh, it's called Careful. And a feature screenplay called The Silo that Ooh. are indeed finalists. And we'll be um, finding out what's going to happen tonight. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing the uh, very last one. That's right. Yeah. I saw your name on there. What got you into writing and, and all that? Well, uh, I am an actor, first and foremost. Um, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, oh. and gravitated to um, theater school upstate New York and then into New York City. And uh, as a woman, I'm sure you've probably heard this, this sort of little story before, you know, finding that there is just a, kind of a, a small amount of good material out there uh, instead of sort of complaining and moaning and groaning about the, the lack of material, um, I started to write my own. Oh, very so, good. Yeah, that's cool. But I started in theater, so I, I wrote a, a one-woman show and then ultimately turned that, that particular story uh, into a television series, a pilot script and uh, a series, and then continued on to write a feature. Uh, and then the short that is also a one-act play, Careful is also a one-act play, and then now writing the larger story around Careful. Oh, very cool. Yeah, thank you. I, I got to ask, 
what was the series? The solo show is called Maison de Rêve, and it's based on the true story of a female serial killer. I love the dark stuff. I like that. <laughs> ah, that's good. Yeah, she confessed to killing over 300 men, wow. all known for abusing their wives and children. So she carried on this little elimination service in Imperial Russia, Samara, Russia, for 30 years. 30 years she wow. provided this service for women in so her community. This, is this based off something that actually happened? Yeah. This That's the true story. That's oh, the true wow. story. That It was like it was too compelling to not do something about it. So I wrote the solo show and then realized it needed a larger container than just 60 minutes and me playing seven characters and a narrator. And, you know, somebody said, um, the mentor and coach that I was working with at the time said, you know, write a film. But then I thought 300 deaths in a film yeah you'd have to squeeze a lot in. yeah exactly so i thought no 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 this is this is the time to really dig into some good television stuff so i went back to school or you know got into a good writing class and learned how to do that and converted it into a, a pilot script that uh made it into the second round at the austin film festival a couple of years ago very nice and they've asked me to resubmit it this year so i'm going to do that as well Oh, that's really yeah. wild. So it's called the Corinthians. Okay. Uh, and the Corinth, a Corinthian, it's, I reset it. It was originally in, in uh, pardon me, in Samara, Russia. My father's Ukrainian. My mother's part Estonian. So I kind of get that crazy, you know, mentality <laughs> or sensibility, if you want to say, uh, from that part of the world. But then I realized that trying to ultimately, you know, reset it, uh, it needed to, to be reset in the United States. So I've lived in New York City for the past 25 years. So I reset it in New York City during the same time period. So it starts in about 1882. And there's a lot of wonderful hi- history of New York City that we can bring into it as well. Oh, that's yeah. very so, cool. Yeah. yeah so Jeez, now, now I got to find a way to see that. There you go. Because <laughs> I'm all into history and mm-hmm. the darker and creepier, the better. So yeah. That's right up my alley. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is the in the silo? The silo is a supernatural tale, a supernatural screenplay, uh, and it is essentially uh, the story of a young outcast, teen outcast, who all she wants to do is get out of her small town, like many of us do, and encounters uh, a ghost who she befriends, and it just sets off a whole series of of events that ultimately ends up. You know, she solves the mystery behind who this ghost is and what has happened to her. Uh, the ghost herself is also a 17-year-old um, and disappeared 40 years ago. Uh, and so we see that Sam sort of solves this mystery, and it ties into her mother's high school class. Uh, and so ultimately Sam has to choose between chasing her dream, which is to get out of her small town, um, you know, honoring her friend, her new ghost friend, or saving her mother's life. So it's got themes of mothers and daughters, friendship, magic and mystery, but most importantly, rape culture and revenge. I kind of really get into those revenge stories, you know? There's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. There's really, honestly, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Some of those make some of the best stories. Because mm-hmm. you, you always know you have a base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, revenge is a great base. Yes. And it's a classic tale. Mm-hmm. It's a classic theme in... A lot of horror stories and dramas. And yeah. Not and a lot I've, of comedies, though. And I've seen a lot of good... Dirty work. There you go. <laughs> There's some good revenge stories this weekend. I've just been watching, you know, as many films as I possibly can, the shorts and whatnot. So it does tend to pop up, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> We've only seen a few, but 
the ones we've seen have all been very, very good. So. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've been talking about this weekend, uh, the differences between the women-led horror movies and, and male-led horror movies, we're noticing that the female-led horror stories, they're not afraid to leave the ending unresolved. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool, And right? we've been kind of debating the why is that, that is. You know. I think it's kind of, um, you know, we should never take advantage of an intelligent audience let them kind of make their their own conclusions because the imagination can sort of fill in a whole heck of a lot. And I think when you leave things unresolved, then that allows the audience, which is truly one of the most important components of the, what we're doing with storytelling like this, and let them make their own choice, you know. And, and leaving on a question rather than an answer is kind of cool, I think. You know, let them figure it out. I've just gotten into the writing side of things Watching this and talking to all these wonderful women writers and everything, I'm like, oh, now I got a, I got something in my head, and I'm kind of doing like and he's got to step up his game. I got yeah, go. I got to step up my game, and I got I'm gonna kind of do like what we were just talking about. I I want to leave it undone. Mm-hmm. Great ideas. Now I just got to put pen to paper and go. Yeah, that's the hard part sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you're done with that, do it again. There you go. Yeah. And that's even harder. <laughs> oh, I can't stand rewriting. I can't get into it the same way I got into the initial writing. Is that right? Yeah. I, I feel like I'm just retreading, retreading. Mm-hmm. As necessary as, as it is, it's, it doesn't have the same thrill as the initial writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my problem is I'll write something, but I'm a perfectionist. Oh, golly. So That's a tough one. I, I don't go back and rewrite. I write it as I wanted it right then. Mm-hmm. Now, I might change something here and there, but I will not rewrite the whole thing it's just like okay well this is what i wanted i told the story mm-hmm. done and then he's like no no there you got to go back and write. no no done <laughs> then i yell at him for some time and say go back and rewrite it he's like no 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 <laughs> yeah i think you know I've, I've worked with some some wonderful people i have a, a terrific coach that i work with and you know ultimately writing is rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and you can discover along the way, you know, so being, being taught that, you know, you can get that initial thing, that raw material down on paper, but then ultimately there's so much more that you can mine and explore just from that, that mess. And so, but it is definitely daunting. It's definitely a challenge to just, you know, dive in and, and lean into the things that scare you the most or the things that, that you don't want to do. And, um, when you kind of surrender to that, then you might even find more brilliant, fabulous stuff that you didn't even know was up in there. I always find it helpful to just put it in a drawer, leave it for a little while, come back, reread it Mm -hmm. with fresh eyes, and then I'm a little more hypercritical. It's like, oh, that's not good. I need to change that. (laughs) Yeah. So my coach has always um, basically said you always, 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 always replace judgment with curiosity, and that's something that has been very helpful for me is, you know, because it's so easy, that inner critic, that little voice in your brain that's like, this is garbage. What do you, who do you think you are? Like, let that little voice have its moment and then, you know, move on. Just, yeah, that's the little voice that makes me change it as I'm writing the first draft. Oh, is that right? Like, <sighs> oh, <laughs> golly, that little gremlin can get yeah. in the way. Like, yeah. It really can. There's no question. Well, I've run into issues is I keep wanting to put more into it and broaden it and make it more complex than it needs to be Mm -hmm. especially when you go to shoot it you've got 
too much going on. You can't really tell a good linear story mm-hmm. with all these little side things going on. But you have so much going on in the brainstorming process, you don't want to get oh, rid gosh. of any of those little, yeah, little those nuggets. Yeah, little nuggets, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one, too. Do you find as a woman it difficult to get the role you like? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I turned to writing, ultimately. Is, is, and again, it's not anybody's fault. It's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're working hard to change the fact that, you know, um, that, that things are still skewed towards men in both theater, film, and, well, and television as well. And so instead of just being mad about that, that's a waste of energy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, write, create create your own stuff. And I was told that a, a while back and didn't listen to the woman that told me that when I was taking a class uh, and then spent another 10 years um, being frustrated as an actor. And, and that's the reality of the business for any actor, man or woman. It's, 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 it's a tough road. It's a tough industry. So again, uh, it, you know, to become creative again helped me tremendously by, by writing mm-hmm. and making me feel like an artist as opposed to just a woman going on a lot of auditions and not getting any work, basically. Right. So I've also heard direct. Mm-hmm. So you still have an artistic touch to it, and uh, but then you also kind of have to say so. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I think I I'm not a director, but you know that's not a hat that I I feel comfortable wearing. Um, so I'm okay with that. I like being directed. So to find, you know, folks that, I, you know, that I, that I kind of click with or mm-hmm. that I vibe with or whatever is, is for me, that's, that's the best thing in the whole wide world. Because I do like being directed as an actor. And so, yeah, to me, I'm always looking for, for a good director to work with. I'm kind of like you. I'm, I skirt the middle, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of like you. Like, you tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I'll go do it. Can't guarantee it's going to be good, but. There you go. You know? <laughs> and how does that jive with the writer's side? The writer side, I can once it's done, it's done. You set it aside, and then of course there is again, it's there could be some little tweaks and 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 things to adjust or whatever. So it's just being open to, and and trusting one's instinct, but having an open communication with people that you work with, so that we, what's on the page could could ultimately change. But but basically, once you once you get to that point where you're done with the the screenplay, the mm-hmm. teleplay, the the play. Um, you're done with it, and then I can move into the other side of it all. But ultimately, acting and writing are really not that different. You're accessing pretty much the same part of your brain. You know, you're just kind of going at it from a, a little bit different way. So that's, that was, for me, kind of liberating to, to understand that it's not. I mean, you learn structure, and you learn, you know, formatting, and you learn how to how to put it on the page, but ultimately... It's kind of coming from the very same place, that, that creative part of your, your mind and your spirit. And, and so that was a good fit for me to, to venture into writing and to feel wonderful about it, you know. And I, I'll be honest, I, I know that I'm, I like working by myself. I'm not uncomfortable being on my own and, and because that's what, you're, that's what you're doing as a writer. You're spending a lot right. of time. And then coming to that place where you're, you know, then you're ready to start collaborating with other people. So... That's that's the one thing. Like people, if if you don't like being by yourself, <laughs> then maybe writing is not the best thing, uh, unless you work with other people, of course, co-writers or writing writers, teams, yeah. exactly, and writing rooms, of course. That's mm-hmm. how, you know, with TV or and Starbucks. stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Go into any Starbucks in New York or LA, and you're gonna you're gonna. It's been happening more and more here 
one point in time, it was just a lot of people writing their memoirs uh, with air bunnies. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it's all, oh, yeah, I'm writing a script. Oh, are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Enjoy your latte. So, when you write, do you share it with, like, friends and stuff like that to take a look at it? Or are you solely my idea, let me just plow through it? Well, I work with a coach. So that's, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah totally so that's yes. been really, really helpful for me. But ultimately, I've you, you get to also a place where you want to workshop it and, and hear it out loud. So with my television pilot, uh, I hired you know a bunch of my friends and actors and so on and so forth, rented a space, and then we just did a reading. Oh, and ju- nice. that's really helpful to get that kind of feedback as well. That also goes back to your stage yeah. uh, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that a lot like when you're trying to write something for the stage. You want to get friends to do the voices so you can hear yeah, how it sounds. Exactly. Because hearing it in your head is not the same as hearing it off the page. Uh, unless you got like nine people living in your head. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. It works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how do you find when you come to a festival like this and you see several movies are written, directed by women and you compare that to the male-headed horror films, Mm-hmm. Where do you find the, the difference in the movie's lay? We were talking about it yesterday, and we were talking about how a lot of the male-headed films usually has an external mm-hmm. threat or horror. And we we're noticing that a lot of the females, it's more internal. That's kind of cool. I haven't actually, you know, thought about it like that. Um, I would like to say, but I could be wrong, that, you know, women are pretty pretty fierce. <laughs> Can be. <laughs> and not, not afraid to go for it, you know, like to go all the way with things. But then again, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's kind of something I have to think about. You know, I don't know who, who male stories compared to female stories. There are some male writers and directors that are a part of this festival and, mm-hmm. and they're, it's, it's really good stuff. You know, I would work with any, any of the, the folks that I've met at this particular festival because they get it. Maybe that's what it is, like <laughs> male writers, directors, you know, all those behind the scenes that understand sort of a female sensibility, as opposed to when I look at a lot of films. And again, I, I belong to the Screen Actors Guild, and so when it's awards time, I watch a lot of films and whatnot, right? It's like, oh, can I just you know, stop watching movies that are, I hate to say it, but male-heavy, Right, male heavy with their with the the num- and women that just aren't showing up as like compelling characters and whatnot. That's what kind of bugs me mm-hmm. about the industry a little bit or a lot. And so it's it's really nice to come to a place like this and to see, you know, really interesting characters that just happen to be women. And you know, so to me, that's what it's all about. That's where we should be working towards. Well, we had this discussion on the podcast a while back about Captain Marvel, the mm-hmm. movie Captain Marvel, and how it felt off-putting to me because they spent so much time pointing out to us that this superhero is a woman mm-hmm. rather than yeah, just letting... Like, here's, here's, your here's your superhero. It's like we, we didn't spend any time with Captain America pointing out that he can do all this and he's a man. Mm-hmm. I would have had so much more respect for the movie if they had just presented a character and never brought into question that it's a female. Yeah, and just, just let just let her be a superhero. Right, exactly. Yeah, Here's your you superhero. Go. I didn't need to be reminded that she's a woman. Right. I wanted a superhero. Hard stop. I like how you say that. Hard stop. Yeah. Because <laughs> why do we have to qualify? Or it's almost like there's 
well, there's a qualification, um, but women are always, you know, do we apologize for being badass? Do we, is it, is it, you know, in society, is it acceptable to be a killer? Is it, I mean, there's a judgment that's placed on women that's not placed on men. So I like that hard stop. Mm -hmm. So just leave it at that. This yeah. is a, this, this is a killer. Who cares if it's yeah. a female? I mean, this is if, a, if you write a horror film and the main antagonist happens to be female, don't tell me. Mm -hmm. Just We can see. Mm -hmm. And I've had a problem with that my whole life. Okay, with great. Watching it. So I've been just like, well, I, I get it, but who cares? My, my first horror film was Alice Sweet Alice. Oh, my. Yeah, a long time ago. And I loved it because Brooke Shields is the killer. Spoilers. Yeah, well, if you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> get up with your funkin' wagnalls. Uh, and that's what got me into horror was that movie. Really? Yes. Wow. I've always had that kind of, okay, well, if the woman is the star, leave it at that. You don't need to make, make it a big deal. Don't shove it down my throat. Just let's watch the movie. Yeah. That's kind of where we want to go, right? Yeah, Just exactly. watch I mean, the, the movie. Yeah, it always bothers me when we see a, a movie and they're, they're really stressing that this character is of a certain ethnicity or this character is a certain gender. It's like you're trying to validate the character somehow by saying people of, of this ilk can do things too. Just show me them doing it and, mm -hmm. and let me accept them as a character, a person, who they are, and not worry about all these other elements. Yeah, don't care if they're black, white, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just do it. And I'll go, hey, that's pretty cool. Or I'll be, wow, that scared the hell out of me. And then I'll just move on with my life. But the movie will be great, hopefully. Yeah. And not everybody will be pointing and poking and ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm -hmm. like I said, if you, if you want to cast Idris Elba as the next James Bond, just do, do it. Do it. Oh, that would be so cool. Just do yes. it. Give him the gadgets. Put him on a mission. And let's let him be James Bond. And we're not going to worry about all the cosmetic details. Mm -hmm. However, I think, you know, and I, I, I love that. I really, really do. Hollywood does need a nudge. Hollywood does need to be poked a little bit to like, you know. There's more than a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Hollywood gets bogged down in this is what's worked before. This is how we've done things before. These yeah. numbers, you know, indicate. This money know, made X, X amount of million. So let's just repeat that process mm -hmm. on these other 40. Yeah. yeah. Boring. Yeah, we need to show race the dry erase board. Uh, it's show yeah. business. They have the business a little bit ahead of the show because you know, they have to make that you know, billion dollars back that they spent on those two Avengers movies. So let's not rock the formula too much. This is going to sound like a weird one. So what so far have you that you've seen here, what has hit you the strongest? What's been like your favorite? Oh, we were talking about that yesterday, and there's just been a lot of really fabulous work. So I was the moderator for both the um, international block and the global terror block, which I love. Vanessa Wright's just put some fabulous stuff together, and also the, the Thrill Me, Kill Me block. Mm -hmm. And in the international block, the first one out of the gate when I was watching, because she allowed me access to see the films before I came here, was a film called Maggie May from Australia, and I freaking love that movie. <laughs> that was a fave. Um, and what about it caught your attention? Oh, it was just the characters. Um, a woman that is ultimately trying to get out of an abusive relationship comes home. Her mother's passed away, and she's got a sister that is 
unbelievable. And, you know, um, so she ends up impaling herself on a coat hook coming down the stairs and her sister doesn't do anything about it. That's the whole sort of premise is Maggie doesn't do anything. Maggie didn't know what to do, so she doesn't do anything. So her, I'm giving everything away with this movie, but it was just so well done. Spoilers. Yeah, lots of spoilers there. So Maggie May, um, in the comedy block, I loved a movie called Ghosted. In the last block last night, was it Socially Unconscious or something like that? Was socially that? Conscious. I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, there was a movie called Lily. Lily was fabulous. <laughs> and I re- relate to that as an actor because you go on auditions and it's like... Yeah, exactly. And just to see uh, and the ending, and again, I don't want to spoilers, it was just so well done. And the, she was wonderful, the actress that played the actress, right? Um, Lily, and how she's in control and really, you know, really on. And then he, the, 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 obviously the director, it starts to just take her power away until the end. She gets him. <laughs> yeah, so love that. Um, Gosh. Sounds uh, like another revenge show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the feature the first night, um, The Red Dark, is that right? Mm-hmm. Fabulous movie. And then there's a whole bunch today that look, you know, yeah. pretty darn good. So Yeah, I got to see uh, well, two of them from today. The last one, since I'm doing the Q&A. Mm-hmm. And there's a short uh, called Wretch. Oh, okay. And it's from the UK. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And it, it's... A nail biter the whole way through, and then the end is very British. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, it's, it's great. And it's short. It's about mm-hmm. five minutes. Really? Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I mean, I just think it's, I, I, hats off to just so many people that can tell compelling stories in five minutes, right? Yeah. Like, that's pretty amazing, you know? Yeah. And, and Rich, I was just talking about, it really is, I mean, I kind of wish I knew a little more, you know, like, before that movie happened, so maybe stretch it to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But it it was great, just quick to the point, and I watched it five times. So I was just like, "Wow, that that was good." Rewind. There you go. <laughs> so. Well, that brings up an interesting point. When you're writing a shorter mm-hmm. project, do you find it hard to bring a good characterization to a character without you know, falling back on stereotypes? So my short, careful really really treads into controversial territory and that's that's it lean into the hot stuff you know so it's an abortion thriller no okay <laughs> that's the term you don't hear every day no well not together <laughs> there you go so it's set in a crisis pregnancy center mm-hmm. and uh about a year ago so the beginning of of 2019 i went undercover um i'm well beyond reproductive age so I couldn't really go into a crisis pregnancy center and say, I'm pregnant, I need help. So I created a character that ultimately allowed me to garner information because I didn't want to write a one-sided story. I wanted to be able to tell the truth from um, both sides of, of this incredibly politically charged perspective. So ultimately, yes, it was um, an opportunity to write a gothic, in a sense, tale. Um, and I even have a goth character. There's a young woman that, a young goth, here's the log line, um, seeking an abortion, finds herself in a crisis pregnancy center and must fight for her life to escape. So we don't know who the bad guy is. We don't know who the, the good girl is. We don't know who the bad girl is. They're both, it's up to the audience. Where do you fall on the spectrum? And 
Um, and so this is a 13-minute short. Okay. Uh, and so we have the woman who's the executive director for the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and then we have the young goth, just appearance-wise that can be judged, right? So uh, going in, and then this whole sort of fight happens, basically. So, And working again with my coach, and she's like, we want ultimately, and I the same thing we want we we don't want to make a judgment on any of these characters let them be who they are and let the audience sort of cheer for this person love this one cheer for that one love this one you know why should I be making that judgment right so just to throw those characters up there and go from there sounds pretty epic yeah so then ultimately the 13 minute short it's also a one-act play that I have been submitting it out there as well because it works well. It's a pretty basic setting. Um, so now writing the larger story around it, I discovered that there was so much more to tell than just this one particular scene. So it gets a whole heck of a lot darker. And that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, and to hit a controversial topic, it, you know. Yeah, that's no the, one really does that anymore. Uh, well, not just anymore, but no one really does that especially mm-hmm. that topic. Yeah. At they, all. They want to, it's like, no, we can't, we don't want to talk, we can't touch. Yeah. I think it's because it's, it's touches too much into religious beliefs and people are too. Oh, it's, it's hot right it's now. Prickly about when you that. take yeah. a, when you take a movie and insert a politically charged element like that, yeah. you've lost half your audience, regardless of which side you're maybe, falling maybe on. Maybe not. That's the thing. You like, know, which you, side do you fall on? Who do you going to, you know? Mm-hmm. So. There's part of the problem. Yeah, well, a lot of people are prone to prejudging things. Yeah, and that's fine too. Um, but ultimately, that's the beautiful thing about this genre is that you can slide in an incredibly powerful message. Which is actually what we were talking about on the way over here today, that with horror, you can talk about just about anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, literally anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, it's horror. Nothing is taboo. Nothing, exactly. So why would we sort of, you know walk away from something that could be potentially a good friggin' story. Yeah. You know? Especially, and I never really thought about it because I'm just thinking, like, I just, I'm like what I had said earlier, in my personal opinion, and you can ask my wife because she applauds me for it, my whole thing is if I ever run for a government office, you know, what's your stand on abortion? Ask her. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer. It's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not my decision. And so that's my whole thing. I don't feel like, as a man, I couldn't write anything that would be right. It would never be true. You know, it would never be the real thing. People say, well, you're just doing it from a man's point of view. And you're like, well, yeah, you're right, I am, because that's what I am. You want it written? I let my wife write it. She'll mm-hmm. write it for me. Well, mm-hmm. as good as your intentions may be, you'll never have the experience. Exactly. To come from a place of true honesty, you wouldn't have the experience. Right. I couldn't. I'm not, I'm not there for, to be able to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm not there to be able to say, no, I don't want to have this child. So the fact that you decided to tackle it is phenomenal. Because Thank now you. I can watch something like that and be like, yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's it right there. That's it. And let's mm-hmm. let this explode. Because who knows? One of these could end up becoming, a weirdly enough, a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And someone will be like, oh, they broke the taboo. They like, fi- someone finally wrote a story about it. Yeah. You know? And, and not necessarily that that's the place that I, I was, but I, I always gravitate towards, obviously, you know, female stories or women's stories. And 
I mean, I know where I fall on the spectrum, mm-hmm. but I I have to set myself aside because I'm writing characters. Right. I want to tell the truth from both sides, and and hence why I did go undercover and whatnot. I also needed to know what information was being pumped out of crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah, and you kind of needed to know more of the truth yeah. than what's just in the news. It's it's not right for me to place a judgment on any of the characters that I write. Right. That's just not that's. That's not my place as a writer. When you tackle a topic, you do have to have some sort of, it has to be something you find mm-hmm. compelling. Absolutely. And then I'm passionate about. Right. But I don't need to necessarily let that get in the way of the writing or let that get in the way of the storytelling. So, yeah. So that's that's going to be fun to sort of see. Um, again, it's a, it's a short, but it's that I'm going to most likely shoot that short as a proof of concept uh, and then carry on with the rest of the, the larger story around it. I mean, that's short sounds like it would be something that would be great mm-hmm. in Film Fest. Thank you. Because that's where you need to start breaking the taboo. Well, in a festival situation, you're in a position where you can influence other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People are here, to, you know, they've got their first movies or they've got their newest movie and they want to see what everybody else is doing and you know, soak in what they're doing and apply it to what they're doing everybody's interested to see what other people are doing because it'll it'll influence what they're doing and Absolutely. they can incorporate and it and pull you aside and want to talk about it and get you know yeah then there's people like us who will do this, this or you got people like us that show up at festivals and show all the other filmmakers what not to do which is mm-hmm. great no that's the beautiful thing about i, I was so excited to come here just because this is this is the this is the community that that i feel very comfortable in and and ultimately learning and absorbing and being inspired by other artists right and again writing is such a a solo kind of thing you know and we're all we all carry on with our lives and we're doing this and that but when you come to a film festival you can really just dig into Mm -hmm. a sitting down and watching good work Mm -hmm. and or just mediocre work or whatever you're still going to garner something from it and talking to really interesting people talking to real other other artists and learning what mistakes they made or what has helped them or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't do that just with a writer's group or, you know, you ha- festivals are, are where it's at, I have to say. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, no, been honored really to are, uh, We're very happy to have you here. At no, thank you. Interwebs. Uh, and uh, it was great to be able to hear, you know, another point of view. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we've been doing this whole time, just getting different point of view for this kind of thing and this being its third year and from what Vanessa told me has grown tremendously I can imagine I can uh, imagine I can't wait to see what happens next year and Going hopefully forward. you'll be back and we'll have you again thank you and uh, you can talk to us when you've filmed uh, careful careful and yeah. you know we'll be like hey so remember a year ago when I was yeah, yeah that'd be, be like fabulous. Yeah, so it's completely changed <laughs> You never know. Yeah, you never know. No, this has been a wonderful opportunity. I really appreciate this. Thank you very much. We we are very honored to be able to do it. Thank you. Well, now, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Tally Melnick and found it as interesting as we did. Stay tuned for more Achieving Reality Film School interviews right here.
Hey everybody, Larry here from Achieving Reality, the podcast. So you've missed the last few episodes, have you? That's cool. We got you covered now. That's right. Achieving Reality, the podcast is now on Spotify. Nice, right? So now you can listen to us on Podbean, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, and Spotify. We're growing and growing. I mean, wow. Follow us on Facebook and give us a listen on all of our new platforms and our old platforms. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Achieving Reality, the podcast. See you soon.